Dear fellow citizens, with the official publication of the reform package by the Hong Kong government, that is restrained by the resolution of the National People's Congress Standing Committee of 31st August 2014, I would like to take this opportunity to lay out in general why us, Pan Democrats, are adamant in vetoing it. Firstly. One of the issues that have been identified with the deep-seated conflict haunting Hong Kong and the current incompetent government is the rent-seeking behaviour and cronyism that exist. Rent-seeking is to create greater wealth for oneself via manipulating the political environment. Such rent-seeking exists in the government systemically, with a small number of corporate interests represented disproportionately. In the now election committee and future nominating committee for the chief executive elections, as well as within the functional constituencies of the legislative council, when the government is accountable to these small groups of special interests only, policies become tilted towards them, and public good ends up being sacrificed. Along with rent-seeking is the cronyism within the government. Since Xi Jinping's rise to power in 2012. We see that official posts have been mainly for Mr. Leung to reward his supporters. The chief executive has the power of appointment of various governmental positions, including statutory bodies and consultative committees, and this allows him to enact a form of spoils system that rewards those who support him, and in extension, those who support the central government. Unless and until we have our electoral systems reformed so that such rent seekers and cronies. No longer are kingmakers of the chief executive, or control the legislature using functional constituency seats. Hong Kong stands no chance to remove the deep-seated conflicts. Any reform package restrained by the NPCSC decision definitely does not foot the bill. Secondly, to submit to the NPCSC decision is to accept the encroachment of the central government on the axiom. Hong Kong people ruling Hong Kong, and the high degree of autonomy granted with the Basic Law. Hong Kong's democratic development was promised during the penning of the Basic Law to allay our worries that we could no longer keep our values and institutions after reversion to a sovereign that practices people's democratic dictatorship and communism. Liu Ping was quoted by People's Daily as saying in 1993. How Hong Kong develops democracy in the future is a matter entirely within the sphere of Hong Kong's autonomy, and the central government cannot intervene. Yet, since the handover, we have seen the central government has shown a lack of respect for the Sino-British Joint Declaration and the original intent of the Basic Law. Hong Kong was first promised universal suffrage of the chief executive and the legislature in 2007 and 8. Yet, with the interpretation of the Basic Law by the NPCSC in 2004, that was denied. There was then bipartisan and overwhelming public support for universal suffrage in 2012, that was also struck down by the NPCSC in 2007. Now, in 2017, we are offered an unsatisfactory counterfeit vote that Hong Kong people are being forced to accept. With a knife to our back, with various threats such as the legislation of Article 23 and the re-election of C. Y. Leung in 2017. Furthermore, the 2004 NPCSC interpretation of the Basic Law did not legally allow for the elaborate restrictions set in place by the 831 NPCSC decision.
that has since been repeated numerous times as immovable. The NPCSC decision is a clear demonstration of an attempt to interfere with Hong Kong's domestic policies that it has the right to administer. By bowing down to the current proposal, it is giving free rein to the central government to disregard and violate the basic law, whenever it sees fit. If we do not hold fast to our position on vetoing the reforms, rule of law in Hong Kong will be replaced by rule by law with Chinese characteristics. Only by safeguarding the rule of law in Hong Kong can we secure the civil liberties that we are enjoying and ensure that they would not vanish overnight. Thirdly, we have to consider the consequences of what may happen if we accept the current proposal. By endorsing the reforms, we give the central government the perfect excuse to announce to the world that it has handed in its homework on fulfilling its constitutional responsibility. As long as the NPCSC decision remains in place, there will be neither room nor incentive for substantive improvements in the future. Chief Secretary Carrie Lam also said in her statement to the Legislative Council on the resolution that if passed, the ultimate aim of selection of the chief executive by universal suffrage, as prescribed in Article 45 of the Basic Law, will have been attained. When the central government has fulfilled its constitutional obligation, what incentive does it have to further improve? It will put Hong Kong as a place with an illiberal democracy, most similar to the system in Iran. It is a step of no return. A privilege that once given will be impossible to take back. Further, all candidates who manage to pass through screening by the nominating committee and enter the public round of voting will, without a doubt, be accountable to the central government, thus the Chinese Communist Party, and the rent-seekers who dominate the nominating committee. Any form of allegiance to Hong Kong people will only be subservient to that proposition and only when it does not conflict with those special interests. The next chief executive will have the false legitimacy to blatantly override the half of the legislature that is freely elected in order to enact the will of those groups. Some may say that we should have faith in the central government to further improve the elections once accepted. However, Believing in the goodwill of the central government is a naive mistake without central government now doing anything extra to convince us that it will avert from its previous cause of wrongful interference with our autonomy promised by the basic law. In 2004, the NPCSC actively interpreted the basic law without prior notice in which it ruled out universal suffrage for 2007 and added two extra steps for the chief executive electoral reforms. The two steps passed the power to initiate the political reforms from the Hong Kong legislature to the executive and the NPCSC. When one could not even trust the central government on solemn black and white articles within a constitution, how could one put faith in its goodwill in promoting democratic development in Hong Kong. I believe that many citizens who would like the pan-democrats to accept the reforms have decided so out of a sense of misguided pragmatism and the sense of futility in resisting the central government. Yet, the umbrella movement was a euphoric moment that has demonstrated the power of Hong Kong's civil society and has shown light on a way out in this David versus Goliath struggle to protect 
the way of life in Hong Kong. If Hong Kong people would like to safeguard our existing freedoms and institutions, we have to take a stand against such humiliation in the form of the NPCSC decision by the central government. Hong Kong is an intelligent and mature society that deserves a genuine choice. I believe that not democracy, but the lack of it, will be the source of much turmoil in the upcoming years. It is now up to President Xi Jinping to show the world that China is fit to be called a dignified world leader by honouring the Sino-British Joint Declaration and respecting the wishes of Hong Kong people, as we have been led to believe already granted and enshrined in the Basic Law. And while democracy is far from perfect, to quote Winston Churchill, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except all the others that have been tried.